Hi, it's Leon Dolan, and my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical, is out now and available everywhere. People Magazine chose it as an April pick of the month, one of the best this week, a hopeful take on commitment, they said, and an innovative story about marriage. Mmm, sounds juicy. The Marriage Sabbatical, out now, available everywhere. Hi, this is Julie. This is Liz. This is Sheila. This is Monica. This is Leanne. We are the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters To Go. We are the Satellite Sisters. Welcome to the show. It is Sunday, September 9th. I am Liz Dolan. I am here in Santa Monica, California. I joined on the line with one sister, but we have an action-packed lineup for you. It doesn't matter how many sisters are there are here. It's just all about how much material we have to work with. So Julie Dolan in Dallas, Texas. Can I ask you a question, actually? Yes. Can we start with a question? I noticed on the news this morning that it is Grandparents' Day. And I have to admit, I've never heard of this before. Like, I know that you are a grandmother. You, yes. have, you have young Alice and young Benjamin. Is Grandparents' Day a thing? When did that become a thing? Liz, I'll have to say I'm a little shocked to hear about this. I noticed it on the church bulletin today. It said, Happy Grandparents' Day. I don't know. It kind of crept up on me. I, I, think it's, I think it's pretty new. I mean, I've heard of Grandparents' Days associated with the schools. Like, you, there's a certain day. It's yeah. Usually- yeah, they just declare their own day, though. It's not yeah. all on one day. No, I've never heard of this. Because I thought maybe I was just out of it because I, you know, I'm, I'm not a grandparent and right. it's been a long time since we've had grandparents. So right. maybe I just lost the thread of what we do now for grandparents in America. But okay, you're a grandparent. How's that going for you? Well, Liz, I had kind of a nice uh, Nana weekend because this was the first week that granddaughter Alice, she's uh, five five and a half, she likes to say, um, started her soccer career. You know, oh. you, you know, you know how important that is. Now, now here's the other sort of cultural twist to this. Um, Alice's mom, my daughter-in-law, Vera, grew up in Kyrgyzstan. So she, so uh, playing soccer was, wasn't something that girls did. So she has no back, you know, she's in favor of sports. She wants Alice to be active. She was active growing up herself, but she's just a little uncertain about girls playing soccer because she's never really seen it. Ah, that's so interesting. Yeah. So, um, but how old is Vera? Vera's like 30? 30. Yes. Okay. All right. So that just wasn't something that girls growing up in Kyrgyzstan or Russian girls, they didn't do that. So, but she's, she's game. So Alice wanted to sign up for a little school team. So she gets out there and you know, it's five-year-old girl soccer, Liz. I'm sure you might have seen this. It's really kind of like a, a like, it looks like a swarm of bumblebees as they sort of all bunch up around the ball. And I, I don't even, you know, I don't even know how they score goals. But it was all going well. Alice enjoyed her uniform. Uh, she, you know, which is really important in girl, five-year-old girl soccer. <laughs> yes, that's, that, that could be like a complete hurdle to get over. If she didn't like the uniform, she was not going out there. So she's having a good time. Her team is doing surprisingly well, okay? And again, Vera doesn't know much about this, but I just had given her the advice on the sidelines that it doesn't really matter about winning or losing in five-year-old soccer, but believe me, it's better if they win because they do. (laughs) They cry less. <laughs> so, they cry less. So it's all going well. And her, you know, Benjamin is, our, you know, is the three-year-old grandson. He's on the sidelines. He's having a good time. And then all of a sudden, 
there is screaming, there is crying, and someone is yelling out, Alice Smith's mother. Alice. <gasps> oh, okay. no. So then out of this swarm of bump, you know, of kids, you know, and there's crying and there's screaming comes Alice and somehow she has taken an elbow to the nose oh. and there's a lot of blood, Liz. Not a little blood, it is like, this is... Wow, rough out there, girls throwing elbows at that age. I mean, there is just so much blood coming down. Okay, so Alice is crying. All the girls on her soccer team are crying. <laughs> the opposing team is crying as well. Okay, Ben, the three-year-old, when he sees, you know, gets a look at his sister, where really just gushing blood. It's just like we we can hardly stop it. You know, um, he is screaming, running around because he's so horrified by this situation. And poor little Alice is shaking, and she looks down, and she now sees that she has blood all over her uniform. Which, you know, for boys' soccer, they'd be happy, but she again is horrified. And so I'm sitting there, th- you know, we're trying to patch her up. And just, it's a miracle, but she, nothing is wrong with her nose. Nothing is wrong with her teeth. She just she just had a big, bad, bloody nose, you know? Yeah. Thinking, uh-oh, it is now over. There is no way that either Alice or Vera <laughs> ever, ever going to want to play, you know, play soccer again. But I have to give it to Vera. She was like, maybe it's that tough Russianness, Russian in her. Yes. <laughs> like, wiped Alice off and sent her back into the game, which I just loved, you know. And, and Alice, I guess, just kind of wanted to be with her friends. And once she realized she really wasn't hurt and that her team was still winning, see, I told Vera, <laughs> she was A-OK with the whole situation. So... Uh, that is so funny because it must be pretty intimidating to go back out there with blood all over your uniform. That must give you a certain edge, too. <laughs> yes, well, they're, they're a good team. So um, I think, in fact, this weekend she's back out on the field. So I hope it goes a little better than the first time. <laughs> but happy Grandparents Day to all the grandparents out there. Uh, yes, happy Grandparents Day to everyone. Glad you got your own holiday. Just heard about it myself, but good for you. Um, Okay, well, here's my quasi-medical report. Um, Sadly, as I posted on the Satellite Sisters Facebook group a couple weeks ago, um, my dog Ferris, who many of you have heard me talk about over the years, he's about nine years old. I rescued him when he was one. And he's, what would you call him, Julie? He's sort of a fluffy mutt, right? He's just like an everyman's terrier, I would say. But, but he has star quality, Liz. I mean, he looks like one of those super cute dogs on, on TV. Yes, That's yes. If you've seen the traveler's insurance commercial with the dog that, like, is worried about his financial future, that dog is the total doppelganger for Ferris. So now you can picture him. That's exactly what he looks like. Anyway, he had been a little sluggish for a couple of weeks, not really eating, not his old self. So we went back and forth to the vet a few times. Uh, There was an ultrasound involved. There were a couple of other tests. And I got the sad news last Friday that Ferris has lymphoma. So that is really bad. That is that, you know, it's just terrible. So that is cancer in, it's all in his spleen. And um, so that's what's slowing him down. So there are a couple of ways to treat that. There's no way to cure it, but there are a couple of ways to treat it. And um, 
the one is to just put the dog on steroids. It's prednisone, and that that can keep them happy for a couple of months, they said. And then you can also try chemo. So that's what we're trying. We're trying a little chemo, and we'll see how that goes. But in the meantime, it's been really, really challenging to get him to eat anything. And so I really appreciate everyone on the Satellite Sisters Facebook group who has posted their own suggestions about what their own dogs have eaten when their dogs were sick, like all of the various foods and tricks to get them to now I have to give him this prednisone every morning, and he's just outsmarting me, taking the pills. So in the past week, it's now like... I'm cooking eight or nine dinners every night for my dog now because and you're you're I mean that cooking you didn't do a lot of home cooking because you're pretty busy so, yeah right? yeah I, yeah I, but I was like I keep trying things and then he rejects it and then I'll try something else so in the past week the various combinations of things I've cooked every night would be uh, like ground chicken uh, chicken breasts ground beef uh, steak. People suggested cheese. I've tried string cheese. I've tried cheddar cheese. Uh, he seemed, cheese. Didn't pe- someone someone wrote in and said you could give uh, put the pill in cream cheese? Which cream I- cheese. Yes, that was a good yeah. suggestion. There were a lot of peanut butters suggested. Mm-hmm. Um, he seems to really have taken to the beef bologna is working very well. Uh, but he also likes the turkey bologna on some days. Uh, there are days where the turkey franks seem to be something that he's interested in. But other days where that's not going to work, but the beef hot dogs might work. Or, you know, our dog growing up, we had a black lab named Tor growing up, right, Julie? Mm-hmm. And he, his favorite when he was sick was always liverwurst. So oh. I've tried that. Others are more are taking the more organic, healthy approach. And carrots was a suggestion that a lot of dogs like carrots. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, well, that's, yeah. Maybe cook carrots? I, I, I can't get any carrots down. So I got to say, out of all of these things, the chicken, the beef, the cheese, the bologna, the hot dogs, the liverwurst, the carrots, and then the pill pockets, the, 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 the occasional slice of bologna is actually getting ingested. Almost everything else is failing. Or it might work for like one night, but then the next night he's not interested at all. So, so with the, so it's, it's rough. It's not, it's not good. He's getting a little, you know, he's losing weight. And I, I, so I have to figure out how to get those calories in him. But I also noticed that between the balonies, he seemed to gravitate to some brands, but not other brands. I don't know what that's about. So I just having a hard time thinking of your refrigerator where I, I don't, I don't believe bologna has been ever been in your refrigerator, Liz, as an adult. Have you ever had no, bologna even, in your home? That, it's so funny, Julie, like even the, where do you get bologna? Like question was like, really? They still make bologna? So in the beginning, because bologna was helpfully suggested on the Facebook page, you know, I bought some of the Whole Foods bologna. And that didn't go over big at all. Apparently, he's really craving the nitrates or whatever whatever it is that is not in the good, the fancy bologna. So then I got the like all American Oscar Mayer bologna. And Oscar Mayer beef bologna, that worked for a couple of days, but then he started walking away from that. But then the dog sitter, Mark, who comes in every day and walks in while I'm at work, but also takes care of him when I'm out of town. Mark had this brand of bologna that he seemed to really like. And so I called Mark and I'm like, what, 
where do you get that bologna? Like, what is that? This It's called Zaki's bologna. And I've never, I don't spend a lot of time in the bologna section, as we've already established, but I had never seen this brand. I'm like, where would I get that bologna that you feed him that he seems to like? And he's like, oh, Liz, this is a place you have never been before. I'm like, come on. I, like, of course I've been there. He's like, I get it at the 99 cent store. <laughs> so, so I'm now food shopping. At the 99 cent store, Ferris and I went there together yesterday, as a matter of fact, to stock up on the super cheap turkey bologna and the super cheap turkey franks. And both, and it's the Zaki's brand. And so far, that seems to be beating out either the Oscar Mayer or the much more high-end Whole Foods. Now, um, isn't that just like Ferris? It is. I mean, yeah. you know, he's always been a very considerate dog, just wants to fit in with your lifestyle, mm-hmm. doesn't really want to cause a fuss, doesn't want you to spend a lot of extra money right. on his new diet, and really what he prefers is the 99-cent store bologna. That yes. is, yes. he's a very fine dog, mm-hmm. Liz. He's a dog of the people. He's always been a dog of the people. Don't you think rescue dogs just have that sense about him? You had that nice rescue dog, Marty, that yes. you got from the pound in New Orleans. Marty, yes. Marty was always a dog of the people, too. Right, right. Yeah. So, so anyway, so we're working on the food thing. Some days are good. Other days, not so good. But um, there's a lot of food experimentation going on here. So in my mind now, I'm kind of ranking the days, uh, figuring out how's he doing today, good or bad. So I have a, a ranking I, in my own head. It's what I'm calling the squirrelometer ranking, right? So in the, in the squirrelometer ranking, with 10 being, he's going to chase that thing across the street and up a tree. And one being, the squirrel can sachet right in front of him and not even get a reaction. I would say Thursday and Friday, we were at a six or a seven on the squirrelometer. Hmm, we, were, we, we were really gaining momentum that yeah. we seem to have lost this weekend. So today we're back down to a three, on the squirrelometer. Um, but, you know, we just stocked up on all the new Zaki's turkey bologna and turkey franks from the 99-cent store. So I am, uh, I'm hoping that will make a difference. And one other thing that seems to be making a difference, and this is just something I observed last weekend... Leon invited me over for dinner, like a little afternoon in her backyard and a barbecue, and Mom and I both went. And because the day before, Ferris had had his first day of chemo, I didn't mm-hmm. want to leave Ferris home alone. And Oh, I guess it was Saturday we went. It was that very day he had had his first dose of chemo. So we brought, I brought Ferris with me, and um, he, he was hardly eating at all last Saturday. And But I noticed that by accident, as Leon was taking stuff out to the grill to make up the cheeseburgers, a piece of cheddar cheese fell to the floor. And Ferris, like, looked at it, looked away, looked at it again, and then went over and ate it. And he's never eaten a piece of cheese in his life. So that was his first ever piece of cheese. And he's not normally a dog that, like, most dogs scrounge around on the floor all the time. Yeah, and that's been my dog. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Zorro. But, but sure. Ferris doesn't, he doesn't really scrounge for people food, right? He does not. He's not a people food kind of dog. But there, there was something about, like, the fact that he would eat a piece of cheese laying on the ground when he would not eat it, when I offered it to him in my hand or put it in his bowl, that I've started using that as a tactic now. Occasionally, I will try to, like, hand feed him something, and he will reject it. And so I, then I just throw it on the floor. And uh, he'll walk away. 
and he'll, like 50% of the time, he'll come back and eat it. So if you looked at my kitchen floor right now, you would think I was a total crazy person. Because all of... do anything, I know. Maybe hide it (laughs) behind a tree outside, you know, so we can forage for it. Yes. Uh, All over the kitchen floor now, there's like a piece of cheese here, a piece of bologna over there, a little smear of liverwurst over here in the corner, just so that in case he gets motivated to eat any of it, it's just there waiting for him on the kitchen floor. So, um, so that's where we are with the dog report. You know, it's been, it's been up and down. He has had some good days and some bad days and we're just going to have to take it from there. The poor little guy, he doesn't appear to be in any pain, which is good. Uh, but he definitely, there are days when he just must be so nauseous. He doesn't feel like eating. So, um, so we're, there's a lot of experimentation going on in this house. So that is that report. Meanwhile, how about a new food group like soups? Do you think he might enjoy a soup? <laughs> the, well, the when he was first not eating, the vet told me to get a turkey baster and shoot some um, chicken broth down his throat because yeah. if they're not eating at all, they get low on electrolytes. And he's like, he needs the electrolytes from the chicken broth. Okay, that did not work at all. That was me on the floor holding him, trying to ch- shoot turkey broth. First of all, I had to go out and get the uh, buy a baster because I why would I own a turkey baster? So turkey baster, chicken broth, me and a dog on the kitchen floor. That was a total mess. So then I tried putting the broth just in a bowl that he could lap up. Nah, that didn't work either. So, you know, I think we're going to... Oh, and those pill pockets. Thank you for all of the people that suggested that on the yes, Facebook page. Yeah. No interest at all in those. But it doesn't mean he might not next week. So I now have like a year's supply of pill pockets. And uh, that might start working next week. There's no way to know. But thank you for your good wishes. I will keep you posted within reason on the Facebook page. And uh, and we'll just see how that goes. But in the meantime, because I've had him under observation... I have been spending a lot more time at home than I normally would. Like in the evenings, on the weekends, we're just kind of hanging out together. And luckily, the past two weeks has been an excellent couple of weeks for television, right? Indeed. Really, this is, it's, I mean, after the Olympics, um, there was kind of a void for a while. But then, uh, you're right, Liz, things fired up with the two conventions. The two conventions and the U.S. Open. So it meant if there was something happening in the U.S. Open, there was always, you know, like some kind of match you could watch. Or you'd go back and forth to the convention. If it was a speaker you didn't really care about or care for, you could go back to the tennis. So between the RNC and then the DNC and all of the U.S. Open, I feel like I really, um, I was highly entertained with two weeks of television. And I was thinking, you know... I always complain when commentators comment so much more about what women look like when they're on the stage than what men look like. You know, I think, right. I think a lot of women sort of have that issue. Like, it's just not fair, right? Exactly, Liz. I mean, you know, nobody ever comments on, you know, on Joe Biden's hair or right. something like that. But they don't miss, you know, miss an opportunity to point, point out some woman's hairstyle. Right. Right. So I was thinking about that a lot as I watched two weeks worth of conventions. And I noticed that, like, in my my own mind, of course, I'm commenting, too. I wouldn't say it out loud if I was, say, you know, a news commentator on a broadcast network. But it's just 
I think you can't help but comment, at least in your own mind, because essentially the men always look the same, whether they're on that stage or some other stage or, like, walking through the Rose Garden or walking through the halls of the Senate or whatever it is. Men, their appearance just doesn't vary that much day to day, right? Other than the color of their tie, you got nothing. You got nothing to work with. It's pretty much a uniform that yeah. they're wearing. Yeah. You know, that they're, they've got the suit on. Um, generally, oh, it's a white shirt, and you're right. It's, and for political uh, purposes, it's either a red tie or a blue tie or a red and blue tie, yeah. right? <laughs> right, right. It's all been focus grouped. It's all like the tie is really the only way to go. Whereas the women come out, and I particularly noticed it with Debbie Wasserman Schultz. <laughs> this was when the no, light bulb No, she got a new hairdo, Totally right? new hair, right? Because she's, yeah. got, she's got crazy hair. And she's got that super curly blonde hair, and, you know, she's from Florida, so I always assume the humidity there makes it even crazier. And so she was on the screen a lot during the DNC because she was the chairperson of the whole convention. And I just, like, I thought her hair looked really good. And she was also, like, made up and looked really great. But the uh, if she, that's when I realized it's because the women walk out and they've done something different to their hair, and they've got the color of the dress, and their chances are they're much more made up than we would see her on a normal working day when she's like standing on the steps of the Congress giving some kind of a press conference. It's just like you can't, they force you to deal with the fact that they look different because they've done something dramatically. They've just, the hair and makeup gets so upgraded. You're just sitting at home. You, ha- you have to notice, right? And so well, it's, it's the same was true about the uh, first lady speeches for both Ann Romney and for Michelle Obama. There was, there was a great deal of drama when both of them came out on the stage. They both looked fantastic. fantastic. I mean, they both had on incredible dresses. Their hair looked great. You know, I mean, it was, those were very big moments for the first ladies. Well, right. or, you know, someone who wants to be a first lady in yeah. addition to our first lady. Yeah. I mean, there were big moments for Mitt and Barack too, but they just came out and looked the same as they always look. You know, they just, it's, uh, there was the women, everything is a, like a little bit of a change up, a little bit of an upgrade. Anyway, so, um, they, uh, I'm not going to feel guilty about thinking it. I do, I do believe that they shouldn't be hounded for how they look. I don't enjoy seeing the polls that say, did you like Ann Romney's dress better than Michelle Obama's dress? That seems demeaning. And I can totally understand why Sarah Palin found that so shocking four years ago when there was constant commentary on her hair and her clothes and all of that. But the flip side is Debbie Wasserman Schultz got that mane under control, at least. I I really, I mean, I just have always wanted to give her a makeover because I felt felt like her hair was stuck in a different decade. She, you know, so I was, I was pleasantly surprised to see the new do at the DNC. And I read, Liz, that there is a run on the gray nail polish that Michelle Obama was wearing when she gave her speech. That did look really good. It, it was sort of a gray-blue, right? It was... Well, that's, there's, again, I mean, there's... There's controversy there's probably over that. much more scrutiny <laughs> of the gray, gray-blue nail polish than there is some of the political, you know, political points. But nonetheless, that's, you know, people do notice those little details. And, and again, men don't wear nail polish, so there's less to talk about, right? I thought overall, 
the, the speeches given by the women in both conventions were just really, really impressive. It's just, you know, it's just nice to see how many great spokespeople there are for both parties who can get up there and hold their own and captivate an audience and really kind of expand your mind as you are listening to them explain why they believe what they believe. From, like, Condoleezza Rice, you know, to everyone um, this week for, for the Democrats. So it was it was really, really, really a lot of fun to watch. Though I'm sorry, I missed Jennifer Granholm, and I only saw... Oh, a, oh Liz, you know, the, I know. Liz, everyone said that was like... That speech that, that she is. That she know. brought down the house. So I saw some clips on YouTube afterwards, but I never got around to, to watching the whole thing. But then the one... Oh, so the one thing I did yesterday, I realized I've been caught up in between the tennis and the conventions. Uh, I've been logging a lot of TV hours sitting at home um, observing Ferris. But I had also taped and uh, not watched because it was a conflict with the president's speech on Thursday night, the MTV Video Music Awards. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, Liz, okay, so because you want to stay current, so I like to stay and what's current. your take on the the awards? I didn't that, watch those. That you don't even need to be current with those anymore, Julie. I think I'm over it. I think it just they weren't even that interesting or fun. Uh, and oh. you know, I used to always enjoy that TV show. It just, I don't know, maybe, maybe sitting home on a Saturday afternoon, which is what I did. I watched that yesterday afternoon again, me and Ferris in the living room watching the MTV VMAs. Uh, that's, that's really having a good time here. Um, but it just, I don't know. It, I, I think Rihanna could not be more talented. So I love to see a couple of the performances like that. She opened the show. She <laughs> was awesome. But the rest of it just didn't really do much for me. So in case you have that on your DVR, Julie, if you, if you taped the VMAs, uh, you can just delete that without watching. And by the by, I also read that the ratings were down 50%. So so I'm not alone in believing this. It's just not that I've become such an old fuddy-duddy. I don't care. I think even the kids are not watching the Video Music Awards anymore. So you can save that two hours of your life. FYI. Okay. Well, Liz, now that you are spending a lot more quality time at home with Ferris, I have the uh, DVD series for you. It just came out um, from season one. It's Homeland. Oh. I don't know if you've seen this with Claire Dames. Dane and Damian Lewis and Mandy Patankin is in this. It is a fascinating TV show. Have you seen I this? I totally list? agree with you. I watched season one. Uh, yes, it is. Claire Danes is amazing. Damian Lewis is awesome in that. Yes. It's a fascinating premise for a show that she's a CIA agent and he's like a POW who comes home, right? And she believes he's been turned. Right, right. But everyone else thinks that he's a real hero. And she's, she's a little messy with her personal life. She's got some things going on. Yeah. She's got her own personal struggles. But she was, she was definitely wants to uncover this because she believes in her heart of heart. She got some information when she was working in Baghdad that he, in fact, was an Al-Qaeda agent. And she's trying to save the country. And so it is just, it's so well written, so well acted. It's subtle. It's tense. Um, and it's great that there's, um, you know, a, a wonderful female lead character. That's what I also like about it. 
Well, it was um, it was one of my favorite shows of last year, for sure. So I was very happy to see that it got nominated for some Emmy Awards. The Emmys are in a couple of weeks. And I believe Claire Danes got nominated for Best Actress, and Homeland got nominated for Best Drama. So if you're out there and you haven't caught up with this show at all, now would be the time. Give yourself the crash course in season one. And season one is not that long, isn't it? Only like eight episodes or something, Julie? I, yes, it's, yeah. It's, it's only, it's I think it's, it's only eight or nine episodes. Um, so um, I'm trying to do it all this weekend. So I'll let you know, Liz, but I'm, I'm in deep. I'm, I'm pretty deep with that. I will have to say my husband's away this weekend. Um, and so I've had a lot of extra time to myself and I'm doing really two things. I'm watching this homeland. And then the other thing that I'm just in deep with is the book recommendation that Monica gave us a couple of weeks ago, Wild by Jennifer, uh, by Cheryl Strayer, Strayer, Cheryl Strayer. I'm reading that too, based on Monica's record. I sat on the living room couch after I watched the Video Music Awards yesterday, and I'm almost completely done with that book. It's amazing, isn't it? it? It's an amazing book. Monica was right. She's just very truthful and honest. It's really well written. Uh, you really, you know, um, you can just really appreciate her struggles, you know, and, and it's an exciting book to read. So, um, I'm enjoying that. So there you have it. We have some things for, if you're home alone, right, Liz? (laughs) I mean, that's for sure. Yes. That, that is really, that, the book is, um, about her being alone on the Pacific Crest Trail. And, you know, when you live in the West, you know people that have sort of hiked sections of it. But I've never really thought about how hard it would be to sort of through hike on a trail that long and uh, especially out there alone and she had no experience hiking at all so there's all of that drama of being alone in the woods and it's hard and then there's her life which is also a little bit messy and uh and what she learns about herself out there so yeah go i i highly recommend it too thank you monica for yes uh, that was an excellent suggestion so but if you do get a chance to get out of the house liz Mm -hmm. um you know, we have, there's a couple of uh, stories that were in the news this week about driving that I do not, I don't know. I just was taken aback. The first one is here in Texas, that there is going to be a new toll road that is opening up this week, I believe, between Austin, the capital of Texas, and San Antonio. It's 41 miles long, this toll road. But here's the, here's the thing. The speed limit on this new toll road is going to be 85 miles an hour. Really? You can do that? God. I just was thinking, Texas is just its own thing. 85 miles an hour in my whole life. Have you got, have you, I I mean. Yes, I have. Because I've driven on the Autobahn in Germany. And there it's kind of unlimited in in long sections of it. So I think the fastest I have ever driven, like behind the wheel myself, is like 120. (laughs) 120 with yeah. those kilometers or miles per hour. See, I the think thing it, is when you're in uh, in Germany on the Autobahn, <laughs> you're, you're driving in kilometers. So you that's really true. don't even know how fast you're going, right, Liz? <laughs> that's, that's true. You're just going yeah. super duper fast, Machschnell or whatever they would call that uh, in, in Deutsch. So you're thinking 85 is too much for you. Well, it's too much for me, and it's also, I think it's going to be too much for many of my fellow Texans, because I'm not a native, as you know, of Texas, Liz, but I've lived here for five years. I've been driving around for five years. I've seen a lot of bad Texas driving. That's what I want to say. And so I'm just a little worried about the high speed and, um, and sort of the Texas mentality, which is to either go 
as fast as you want or to go as slow as you want. They, uh-huh. they believe this is the land of the free here. So people, <laughs> so you find just wide variations of speed on Texas uh, roads, uh-huh. like, you know, where people are, you know, are going the speed limit at 65, and then there's a whole other group of people on the same highway that are driving at like 45 miles an hour, which I find very dangerous, don't yeah, you think? Yeah, yeah. I can remember one time asking a German coworker, like, what's the deal? This must be incredibly dangerous, everyone going this fast, and people getting on and off going slowly, right? Because obviously on any freeway, sooner yeah. or later you have to slow down and get off or right. get on. And I remember him saying, well, of course, Germans are much better drivers than Americans, so we, they have a lot fewer accidents in Germany. But then he did admit, when we do have an accident, they're all fatal. You know, so it's pretty much that. Like, you're going 100 miles an hour. No matter what happens, if something goes wrong, it's going to be really, really bad. There are no fender benders. It's an all-or-nothing-at-all situation. You may find that on your new road in Texas. Yeah, well, and and the other thing is that when you were on the Audubon, huh, nobody had cell phones and nobody was texting. So just just add that into the mix, too. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. I I, Fortunately, I don't have a lot of occasion to drive between Austin and San Antonio, but I I did think I'm going to stay away from that. The other other thing that confounded me in the driving department this week, Liz, was I was reading in the New York Times. They had a story about... Those great guys out in Pasadena, right by our sister Leanne, who are working on, you know, the Mars rover. And these are the guys that actually drive the $2.5 billion Curiosity rover around Mars. That's their job. You know, they, they have regular, they're just regular guys. They're 30-something-year-old guys. They live in that area. They have families. But when they go to work... They sit at computers and they give instructions to Curiosity to where it should drive when it's on Mars, you know, and how to maneuver around rocks and craters and various things. And I was just, I'm, I'm in awe of that, Liz, mm-hmm. I have to say, you know, because I just, it would be another thing that I don't think I'd be too good at. <laughs> yeah, talk about your high stakes driving scenario. You know, that is even more dangerous than your, your highway in uh uh, in Texas, like one false move and you crash the two and a half billion dollar curiosity, that would not be good. You're not, that's a career ender, I would think. Uh, yeah, yeah, you think so. And, you know, again, you've got to, it's hard to really to suss out the hazards on the road on Mars, you know, because you're looking at it on a computer screen, right. you're, you're trying to figure out how like how big things really are or how dense something is or how the rover will the rover be able to go over it or should it go around it or should it back up i mean there are a lot of big decisions there i you know again i'm not the world's greatest driver i know my (laughs) limits i try to just get in and out of parking lots the best i can liz and stay out of trouble i guess the good news is up there there are no other drivers right you're not going to bang into somebody else right well we don't know that liz i think that's the point of curiosity is to find out who else is driving around up there right the uh, are you following curiosity on twitter i am and if if you're not you should go go register for this it's um hashtag mars or at mars curiosity i think is the actual um uh, name and uh, while you're doing that, you should you should sign up to follow Satellite Sisters. We're at Sat Sisters, so you get these very fascinating messages from Curiosity with the latest photos, and I do enjoy following along with that whole saga. Okay, well, I just wish I'm just glad they're driving and not me, Liz. That's all I can say. So uh, you know, me too, Julie. Um, but- me too. <laughs> 
Uh, all right. What else do we have going on? Anything else? Liz, you were going to just give us, you know, because I, I think a lot of people write to us and we just really appreciate it. They're always writing in, thinking about our dad. Oh, uh, right. And uh, mm-hmm. I know you were going to give us a little roller, you know, this week's roller coaster report on how our dad is doing. Yeah, thanks for that reminder. So the roller coaster report, you are very thoughtful in asking about our dad. He has advanced Alzheimer's, and uh, in June we moved him to a 24-7 care facility here in Los Angeles. So this week, I know Leon went to see him yesterday, and our mother and our brother Brendan are there, there right now. And so he, we were having a lot of trouble sort of managing his emotions. He was, he was having a lot of very angry outbursts, a lot of rage. So that, that is a lot better. So it's good that he's not so terrified all the time now, and he's much calmer and, in general, happier. Um, so that's good. The downside is that they said he seems, um, he's increasingly weak, physically weak. So not just, not just sleepy from medication, but actually physically weak. And Leon said, they talked to her yesterday about maybe we need to institute some kind of physical therapy for him to make sure that he's getting the right kind of movement. So that's just another thing we'll have to think about, another bridge to cross, not something that we anticipated. You know, I think the surprise in all of this with Alzheimer's is that for as much as you read about it, you really don't know, you, you really don't know what's going to happen to the person you love who is suffering from it. The anger was something that really surprised us. The forgetting is something that doesn't surprise you because you know about that. And now with the physical therapy and just making sure that he's getting the right kind of treatment for that, um, it's just this week's thing that we're going to have to figure out what we do about that. But so that's that's the roller coaster report. And meanwhile, Julie, you know, our mom, you know, who's now living alone for the first time in her whole life, you know, since June, um, she's been living alone. Um, it's just a very unusual adjustment for her too. And again, you think about Alzheimer's and taking care of the person that has it, it's easy to forget what a dramatic change it is for the person who's been the primary caregiver. Our father was diagnosed three years ago, and it's pretty much been our our mother's 24-7 focus in that three years to make sure my father was safe and healthy. And uh, and now she's kind of on her own in a completely different environment that she's ever lived in in her life. So there's a lot going on on the roller coaster every week, wouldn't you say, Joel? Yeah, it's a tough transition for everybody. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I mean, for you know, I I have been surprised about some of the dimensions of the Alzheimer's, the disease, you know, that when you see your, you know, our dad, and he's obviously, like, forgotten how to sit down, you know, Mm -hmm. that that you, some of the things that we take for granted, uh, you know, you, you know, as part of the disease, some of that motor coordination, they just, they, they, they lose the ability to remember how to, to move their bodies in certain ways, to stand up, to sit down, you know, to bend their legs, to bend their foot. These are, I know, you know that these is are really all, surprising. All simple things, but yeah. when you don't know how to do it, it, it becomes very, very difficult. So. Right. When I was there a few days ago, he was making a weird sound in his throat, like there was some kind of respiratory issue. And I realized it's like 
he had forgotten how to cough. He couldn't just clear his throat. So something as simple as that can become a major medical mm -hmm. issue if you don't figure out what to do it, do with it. So anyway, thank you for your support in that. The questions are very helpful. And I know a lot of you have written to say that you're also going through this. And so you appreciate the fact that we're just being as upfront as we possibly can be about what we're dealing with. Um, the, uh, there's the whole other element to it, of course, which is the, the insurance and the who pays for what. And oh my God, we won't get started on that today, but <laughs> we could certainly do a class on that, couldn't we, Julie? Yes, we could, Liz. <laughs> yeah, it takes a village. Luckily, we have a village. Yes. Uh, for those of you that don't have a village, I don't know what to like, get a village. Uh, so, anyway, so thanks for your inquiries about that. And um, so this week, uh, you know, Tuesday, birthday for me. Uh, I know, Liz, yeah. I was going to uh, make, uh, you know, I have, you're not going to believe this, but I actually put a card in the mail for you this year. So, oh, okay. uh, and, right. um, I have to say it wasn't easy to find you the right card for this year. Um, because so many of the cards had pictures of dogs on them. Or, you know, um, I just, I worked hard to try to find a card that would offer you birthday cheer but um, not make you not make you too sad. But I do want to wish you a very happy birthday, Liz. Thank you, thank you. That reminds me. Yesterday I came home. So yesterday I took Ferris to the vet on Saturdays is when he's supposed to get his chemo treatments. But as it turned out yesterday, when we went there, they they did a blood test and they said his white blood cell count was too low to give him the medicine. So that's why I'm not surprised that he's not doing that well today. And uh, so. You know, obviously that was not good news. And we stopped in the park, we did a little walking around, and then I came home. And when I got home to my place here in Santa Monica, there was a big, bright shopping bag at my front door with this big, bright tissue paper in it. And it was a gift from Sheila, our sister Sheila and her daughter Ruthie. And it was a combination of cozy clothes for me, because you know how Sheila likes the cozy. So it okay. was, she had gone nice. the, the sleepwear department at Target. I now have a complete sleepwear cozy overhaul and uh and then the dog department at target she bought like one of those faux fur blankets and some dog toys and some dog treats for ferris so we enjoyed opening our presents yesterday it was exactly well yeah. that that's a good birthday start that's yeah, a very so, good birthday so start. i'm in my cozy clothes and he's right now laying on the fur the faux fur blanket uh that sheila dropped by so um but thank you uh, Thank you for the birthday wishes, and I hope everyone has a good week. Keep in touch with us at, uh, you can email us, sisters at SatelliteSisters.com. You can always download the show and subscribe to our show at iTunes. It's the easiest. Then whenever we post a new show, it will automatically be in your iTunes library or the app that I downloaded to my phone that I think runs our podcast the best is called Stitcher Radio. Mm -hmm. So download. Have you tried it yet, Julie? Yeah, that's what I think works the yeah, best. It's too. definitely the easiest. It's free. It could not be simpler. So download Stitcher and then you have all of our new shows and our archive shows uh, on your phone. So that's Satellite Sisters to go. And, uh, and as we've said before, join the Facebook group because then you can post whatever you want to post there too. It's not just a, um, not just a Satellite Sisters page that we have control over. And we, there were a couple of good posts this week about people who had gone to see some of the movies we, re we recommended and enjoyed them. So 
Okay, there you have it. Have a good week, Joel. Liz, you too. Uh, happy birthday and a, a good week. Very high marks on the squirrelometer. That's parents. right. That's We're what shooting for a seven next weekend on the squirrelometer. That's what, that's what I'm going for. Just going to get enough bologna in that dog so we get back up, back up to a seven. We are the Satellite Sisters. Don't forget, call your Satellite Sister.